This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts Luke Silvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans, go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is June twenty eighth, two thousand twenty one. As always, I am joined by my co host Luke Silvia. Luke, what is popping? Not much, man. Uh, before we hop into things today, though, Jonathan, I uh, wanted to kind of talk to the listeners and viewers for a second. Um, we've seen a ton of growth here recently. Uh, we just wanted to welcome all of you guys who are new um, and may not have found us until a couple weeks ago, even. Um, also, you know, we, we put everything on YouTube. So all of our episodes are on YouTube. You get to see, you know, live reactions of, of both Jonathan and I, and we have guests on the show like Jonathan Isaac a couple weeks back. You guys can go check that out as well. Um, seems like you guys have loved that interview so far. Um, you know, shout out to Orlando Magic Daily who uh, posted an article with a, a link to our video in there and kind of some uh, quotes from J.I. on his progression with, you know, the injury and everything. And also, Jonathan, uh, something that we came to find out, thanks to our uh, new content contributor, Kevin Tucker, is that uh, he kind of did a a deep dive for us into the YouTube thing. Um, He looked into it and saw that 75% of those who watch our videos on YouTube so far are not subscribed. So guys, please, uh, if you guys can, you know, want to support the show, um, we would really appreciate it. If you would just subscribe for us, um, it's free and it supports us more than you guys know. Um, especially as we're kind of getting more serious about the YouTube channel and making sure that we're putting content on there every week, just like we are the podcast and audio form on all the platforms. Um, so guys, just uh, once again, hit that subscribe button for us. Even if you are listening right now, um, you know, the audio versions, we just would encourage you to slide on over to YouTube um, and hit the subscribe button for us. We'd really appreciate it a lot. It would mean a ton to us. So you there listening on YouTube who hasn't paused this and subscribed, please do that right now. Yeah, we'll take a second. We'll wait. Anyways, you know? guys, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll yeah. Wait for you. We'll just so wait. July 29th, as everyone knows, now we have the fifth and eighth picks in the draft, at least for now. But the July 29th, the night of the NBA draft, we are going to be hosting another get-together at Harry Buffalo from 5 o'clock to 6.45, just kind of hang out, have a beer together, eat some good food, just chit-chat about the draft. And then at 6.45, we're all going to leave Harry Buffalo together, walk over to Amway Center for the draft party. We're doing our best to work with the Magic to reserve a section of seating so that we can kind of all sit together and you know enjoy the night and have a good time and, and make a lot of noise. It's kind of like a diehard fan section at the draft party. So if you guys haven't done so already, you can go to orlandomagic.com, reserve your free tickets for the draft party. I don't know if they have a limit on those. So if you haven't done that already, go get those tickets for sure and come on out. Again, that's going to be July 29th, 5 o'clock at Harry Buffalo. Then at 645, we'll walk over to Amway Center. So really quickly, we wanted to talk about the NBA playoffs. Luke, as a lot of our listeners know, we're in the middle of the conference finals right now. The Suns are up 2-1 to one on the Clippers. They're playing tonight. I think Cameron Payne is trying to get it, give it a go with the ankle injury. And then the Hawks got their butts kicked last night by the Bucks as the Bucks have evened up the series. So have either of these series surprised you so far? Um. Yeah, it, it kind of surprised me that the Bucks, uh, even though you know we know they like to lose Game One uh, in the playoffs, um, 
specifically to our magic, but uh, dropping that first game, you know, to the Hawks was a little bit surprising to me, um, but didn't really surprise me how they came back and, and locked up in that last game after Trey young had like what he almost 50 had like 48 in the first game um, and held him to 15 second, 15 on 16 shots. Um, Drew holiday got going. I mean, they had a lot of guys helping and, and, and double digits there. So um, that series is kind of a little, just too early to tell. Um, I, I think I'm still going to go with the Hawks uh, personally, just because I think Trey Young, we've we've gotten to see him kind of emerge as a superstar, which has been really cool to see, despite what you think of the guy. Um, yeah. So, I, do you have any thoughts on the uh, Bucks Hawks series and in, in, in particular? Well, so you, you said something just then that irked me a little bit. Mm. I feel like we just throw around the term superstar nowadays. Like in the NBA today, I feel like there's really only like a true handful of what we would call superstars. Like you've got LeBron, obviously you've got KD, you've got Kawhi, um, you know, you've, you've got Giannis. That's like the tier that I think are the superstars. I don't know that I'm ready to put Trey into that level. Like Luca, probably going to be a superstar. I don't think he's a superstar yet just because like, I feel like it's the top, top, top guys in the league. You know, like the top seven or eight guys in the league to me are like the superstars. Like Kobe was a superstar. Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Allen Iverson. Like those are the guys that we refer to as superstars. I don't think that Trey has reached that level yet. I will say this. Someone who is not a big Trey Young fan, I can't stand watching him in the regular season, specifically when he plays the Magic. It is mostly because of the way that he is officiated. However, it is his job to take advantage of that as best as he can to try to put his team in a position to win. Now, it sounds like the NBA is going to be doing something over this offseason where they're going to try to limit some of these guys like James Harden and and Trey Young and kind of the way that they take advantage of the referees in terms of getting to the free throw line and everything like that. But I will say this. When Trey had that crossover in game one, hit the shimmy, and then took the three, like – that's he's just feeling it. I don't he's know how you it. don't like that. And so. and and I think I think that we will agree to 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 disagree about Trey being a superstar. He he's he dropped forty eight the other night. He uh, is averaging I think thirty and nine in these playoffs. Uh, just a guy that has gained my respect. And um, if he's not a superstar, he's he's on his way. He's on his way because the you know when the lights shine bright, do you do you fold or or do you get better? Trey became public enemy number one and has played the villain role in this postseason, first in Madison Square Gardens. And then now he's, you know, he's doing his thing. He's he's dropping almost a 50 bomb in the in the first game where you make your first impression, you steal the game. For me, if Trey isn't a superstar, he he's darn close. I I will I will concede that he is close. He is getting there. I just I'm just not ready to 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 say that, but um, I'm still picking the Bucks. I've got the Bucks in six. I think they're the better team. They're the more seasoned team. Like this is the year that the Bucks need to make the finals. You know, we're going to talk about Giannis. You know, as if he's a superstar. Hmm. Still not con- you know totally sold on whether or not he can be the guy, especially down the stretch. You know, the last few minutes of the game. If teams are just able to foul you and, and basically take you out of the game because you can't make your free throws, that's a huge problem. I mean, look what happened with the 76ers and Ben Simmons. Not calling Giannis Ben Simmons, but it definitely hurts your value to your team in the playoffs, down the stretch, last few minutes of a close game. You've got to be able to 
create your own offense. You've got to be able to make free throws. So, but then with the Suns, I mean, I think, I think whoever wins tonight has a good chance to win the series. If the, if the Suns go up three, one on the Clippers, obviously history shows it's tough to come back from that. And apart from Chris Paul, if the Clippers win tonight, that Phoenix team, you know, they relatively inexperienced, they might crumble as the series goes on, you know, you're up 2-0, you're feeling great about yourself. But Devin Booker definitely struggled in game three. He's got the face mask, so we'll see if he's able to bounce back from that. But I'm hoping for a Bucks suns NBA Finals. It sounds like you're hoping for Hawks-Suns. I don't know that I'm – yeah, I, I just don't – I don't really like the Bucks. I don't I don't know what it is. Uh, I love Drew Holiday. Um, and maybe it's Giannis. I don't know. Giannis is a very likable guy off the court, but I just – I don't know. There's just something about it. It's one of those things where you can't quite put your finger on why you don't like them. Um, the Nazis. Yeah, yeah. The, the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Giannis's brother definitely <laughs> exactly. probably is up there for me. Um, so I, I don't, yeah, I, I am hoping it, it's uh, Suns and Hawks. Uh, I think it would be a lot of fun to get to see Trey kind of further um, and, and to see him in the finals would be insane. Regardless, a lot of young stars like a, a young star is going to win a championship this year. Um, and I think that's pretty exciting. And um, I don't know if Kawhi comes back at any point, it just kind of feels like we don't know much. And like, we're just kind of waiting game by game and it just keeps feeling like they're pushing it off. Not, I don't think he's coming back. I really don't. Um, yeah. We'll see He's sitting in a box last game, like in a suite with his family. I'd, I think he's like, I don't think Bad he's going to play is a bad look and Kawhi is not a leader and pop has said that before as well. He's not a leader verbally, especially, but it just seems like he's just not really, I don't know. He's a weird dude, but uh, we'll see. Uh, CP three and Devin Booker aren't going to go 10 for 40 again uh, combined from the field. Paul George is kind of rectifying that whole pandemic P playoff P nickname sarcastically that he's been given. He's been balling out. I don't know if I'm buying their, you know, 15 point win they had last game, but we'll see. We'll see. I think tonight will be fun, though. We're in for an exciting NBA Finals one way or the other, but let's talk some Orlando Magic basketball, folks. We've got a pretty big episode for you guys this week. Just to give you a quick overview, we're going to get into just a moment, some head coach search update. There's been some news actually right before we started to record the podcast. And then we're going to talk some potential trade up possibilities now that the Magic have the fifth and the eighth pick. In the draft, a lot of Magic fans are upset about that, hoping that the Magic will be able to trade up to get one of these guys at the top of the draft. And then we're going to go through part one of two of our draft prospect breakdown. And then next week, we'll obviously finish that part two of the draft prospect breakdown. So, Luke, head coaching search update. So this week, Jason Kidd was hired by the Dallas Mavericks. A lot of Magic fans just collectively (sighs) exhaled that we don't have to worry about the Magic hiring Jason Kidd. But then Rick Carlisle uh, is going back to Indiana where he coached previously. So he's got the head coaching job there. And then Ime Udoka hired by Boston, assistant coach of the Nets. So all three of those guys are off the board there. First, I don't really think we had a shot at Carlisle. Udoka kind of seemed like he would be a good fit, but obviously Boston's a great job. But I think everybody feels like we dodged a bullet with Jason Kidd. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think you tweeted out after that. You said, thanks, Dallas. Uh, and it's the truth, right? Like, hey, I don't think I don't think Jason Kidd is a good guy. I don't think Jason Kidd is a good coach. I, I don't have anything good to say about Jason Kidd. 
besides, you know, a, a good NBA career and being known as, you know, a, a skilled guard and that's it. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I think we dodged a bullet there. Um, I think Dallas needs to tread very lightly when it comes to Luka Doncic these days. They need to, you know, apparently the players are okay with it. They're, they're happy about Jason Kidd. We'll see if they're happy about it, you know, if they are flirting with a under 500 record at any point next season, but we'll see. I don't think that hire gets made without Luca, you know, given the approval right. on that, at least somewhat, you know, I, if he was totally against it, I, I just don't think you're in a position, Mark Cuban, that you want to risk that, especially, you know, they're bringing in Nico Harrison, a Nike executive to be their president of basketball operations. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I'm right there with you. A lot of people feel like, you know, we, we did a good job by not hiring yeah. Jason Kidd. Yep. So some remaining notable candidates. So Kenny Atkinson, which a lot of people are, you know, really clamoring for the Magic to hire him. David Vanterpool, Becky Hammond, Darvin Ham, Sam Cassell, Wes Unsell Jr., Charles Lee, who the Magic have basically been confirmed that they've uh, interviewed. And then Jamal Mosley, a Mavericks assistant. So he's a player development coach and then an assistant coach with the Nuggets um, back in the, the late 2000s. And then basically since early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. And then was with the Cavs 2010 to 2014. Since 2014, he's been with Rick Carlisle in Dallas as a Mavericks assistant. So it was just uh, uh, reported by Woj that the Magic have requested permission to interview him as well. So it seems like the Magic are still doing their due diligence Still, it seems like they're in their first round of interviews. So as people are speculating that the Magic are probably going to wait until after the 4th of July weekend to announce their coaching hire, the fact that they're still in the first round of interviews kind of confirms that, Luke. So I wanted to ask you, out of the remaining candidates, who are like your top three and who might you like absolutely not want that might still be out there? Um. Who I absolutely didn't want was was Jason Kidd. Uh, but for this question, uh, Terry Stotts, um, not I, I've already said that before. I I don't really care for Stotts, especially defensively as a coach. Just never really could put it together in Portland, um, even with stars. So if I'm trusting him to develop some people into stars, I just don't know that I'm trusting there. So he'd be who I don't necessarily want. Uh, and I think it's probably Atkinson. Um, it's probably Atkinson, Hammond, maybe Unseld. Um, and I, I think that's probably my top three. My top two are far above the rest, I think. Yeah, for me, it's it's down to Atkinson, Vanterpool, Becky Hammond. Like, those are, are my top three. I would definitely give Atkinson, like, he's one. And yeah. then Becky Hammond and, and Vanterpool are both, like, you know, right. 1A and, and 1B. They're both right there. I'd be fine with either of those hires. I still think there are good candidates out there. Like you mentioned, Wes Unsell Jr., assistant yeah. with the Nuggets. You know, he's been with Mike Malone for a few years. Darvin Ham. Michael. Uh, it's Michael Mike Malone. Budenholzer. Michael Malone, you're right. Excuse me. <laughs> Darvin Ham, who is a Budenholzer assistant in Milwaukee. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Cassell. We still have the potential to get a really good coach. So um, we'll just kind of have to wait and, and see what happens there. So, All right, let's take a quick break. Support for the six-man show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. 
You heard that right. The 4.0 join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code sixth at manscaped.com. Again, that's code sixth S I X T H at manscaped.com. All right, guys, we talked about this last time, but it is so important. I wanted to mention it again with uh, Manscaped. You've got the crop gel and you've got the crop exfoliator. And as I mentioned before, uh, I my wife actually uses my exfoliator. And so, you know, gentlemen, if you're having a hard time getting your lazy, you pull the trigger on the Manscaped products. Just tell her, you know, you will love the crop exfoliator. The, the co-host Luke of the six man show told me so. So please guys, uh, you will not regret investing in the crop exfoliator and the crop gel. Not only the exfoliator, the crop gel, but the crop shaver just has really changed the game for me with the lawnmower 4.0 and the crop shaver just totally changed my shaving game upgraded immensely. Manscaped is incredible. You guys absolutely need to try the products. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Yikes. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, I now feel confident shaving my boys. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. Yeah, guys, so it is time to get your own trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. So again, get 20% off free shipping with code 6th at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 6th at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code 6th, S-I-X-T-H. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped enough about the head coaching search luke let's talk about some potential trade possibilities so my immediate reaction when the magic received the fifth and the eighth pick was all along this has been a four four and a half five player draft now this is a draft that teams have been looking forward to for years now it's here there's a couple of teams that jumped up into the top four in Cleveland, in Toronto. And my immediate reaction was that it was very unlikely that the Magic would be able to trade up into the top two or top three because I think it's almost consensus now, the top three. Number one is going to be Cade. Everyone knows that. And then after that, depending who you ask, it's going to be Evan Mobley and Jalen Green. You and I, a lot of Magic fans, aren't super excited about Jalen Suggs and Jonathan Kuminga. So by all accounts, the Magic need to get into the top three. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here for those that are watching on YouTube. So we'll have this recording, Uh, but I wanted to go through some potential trade up possibilities. And I just kind of went in order, like what might it take us to get to number one, number two, number three, Mm might've went into number four, but again, we're really talking about the top three here. So magic fans, before you start throwing stones at me with this (laughs) potential trade, Right here, I've got the Magic trading their first-round pick this year, the Chicago first-round pick from this year, the 2023 Magic first-round pick, the 2023 Chicago first-round pick, and Jonathan Isaac in return for Corey Joseph just to make the money work with Jonathan Isaac. He has a one-year deal, $2.6 million. And then 
Detroit's first round pick. So Corey Joseph, honestly, I don't even know if he's a free agent this summer. So this could be completely null and void, but, but it's just a match again, anyway. I think so. Jonathan Isaac and those four picks is what it would take to get that. And Detroit still might say no to this deal, but I think this is the best offer, realistic offer that you could give Detroit that each side might be okay with. I personally would not do it. I wouldn't be willing to give up that many picks and Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. But it definitely seems like they're going to need a guy who is potential all-star plus just a cache of picks. So what yeah. do you think about this deal here? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before. I don't remember if I've said it on the podcast, but I think what I'm willing to give up is probably or like not enough to make something happen, especially for Cade Cunningham. Um, I, I don't know that I'm willing to part with J.I. and that many picks, like you said. I think the it's really tough, right? Like, Because we don't know what the Pistons front office is thinking. I think the Pistons would at least consider it. I mean, that's that's a, a what we think, and obviously we could be biased and be blinded by that, but what we think to be a potential depoy, uh, you put fifth and eighth pick on there, right? Yep. And then those additional ones, first round picks. So I don't see how they wouldn't at least consider it. I don't think they're hanging up the phone is all I'm saying. Um, now, would I be willing to do it? I don't know, because it's not just about J.I. It's about the picks that you're giving up. At least right now with five and eight, you know, you're you're keeping J.I. first and foremost, and you're able to swing and hope you get one out of those two picks right. And our front office has gotten, you know, the the 15th pick right and traded for a guy that went soon after him in the draft last year. So, or what we think to be right. And then Chuma, you know, was another one. Like, it, I, I just, I do trust when it comes to drafts, I trust this front office. Um, so I, I'm definitely not, like, scared about who they're going to pick because in the moment, maybe I'll be like, I don't really know. But in the end... I know they've not really failed us yet in terms of picking somebody and making us, you know, fall in love with the player. I mean, Truma came on the scene this year and everybody loved him. So, and he was a very questionable pick at the time, at least it seemed because you had to wait for him to get healthy, all that stuff. Um, all that to say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it gets the deal done, but I know that the Detroit doesn't hang up the phone and I don't know. It'd be very interesting. Can you imagine if that trade happened? <laughs> If that trade happened, man, that would be absolutely insane. I would just I would evoke all the emotions. I yeah, I'd be I'd be devastated at losing Ji, obviously. But that's a trade that the front office only makes if they believe that Cade Cunningham is going to be like one of these generational talents. Like if you right. think he's a Luka Doncic or right. a Trey Young or or a Zion, right? You you get it done no matter what you have to do. Yeah, I personally wouldn't do it just because you know what you have with Ji. Like mm-hmm. you said, I mean, outside of Mobamba, they've drafted really, really well. You have yeah. two chances to potentially get, you know, a, an all-star caliber player in the top eight there. You know, you, you might as well, you know, hang on to that at that point. I think it would just be a little bit much for me to try to get a deal done. So next up, let's talk about trying to trade up to number two to the Houston Rockets. So 
Here I have the Magic trading Gary Harris and Cole Anthony plus the fifth pick to the Houston Rockets for John Wall and the second pick. Now, the Magic would be able to take John Wall's contract on, largely in part to the $17 million trade player exception they got from trading Evan Fournier to Mm -hmm. the Boston Celtics. And my logic here behind trading Cole Anthony is I don't know that Gary taking John Wall back and giving them the fifth pick is enough to get the deal done. Cole Anthony, and we're talking about probably all of these trades other than Cade, most Magic fans would be trading up to two or trading up to three for Jalen Green. If you take Jalen Green, Cole Anthony is still here, Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton. Now you have a little bit of a log jam at the guard position. Trading Cole Anthony is kind of that sweetener in the deal to make Houston pull the trigger. And then it kind of alleviates that log jam there. But I think this might be enough to get it done for Houston. What about you? Maybe. Um, I, I think that it, it, it could take an eighth pick. I think it might take a lot to get them off of two, despite the favor we're doing them by eating John Wall's contract. John Wall has, I think, two years left. His final year is a player option. And you're absolutely insane if you think John Wall isn't taking a $47 million year with this the player he is today. He's a great player, don't get me wrong, but on no universe is he worth $47 million anymore. Uh, I mean, you do what you can, right? You and I have discussed this. We're taking John Wall's contract. But I just don't know if only the fifth pick attaching that to what was it, Gary Harris and Cole um, gets it done. I think you got, I think you'd have to throw in the eighth pick or a first round pick from like 2023. I really, I'm not too sure, but that's just kind of my initial reaction because I think that, you know, that's one of the first times I've seen the trade, obviously. Now, obviously, the Rockets have a newer owner. They have a, you know, new GM last year. It's not Daryl Morey there anymore, but historically, Houston. They have been big players in free agency. They almost always get meetings with the big guys when they hit free agency. So, yeah, you know, you're giving up Cole. You're bringing back John Wall. Kind of a logjam there still at the guard position if you take Jalen Green. Everyone knows John Wall isn't going to be there long term. So he might be, you know, more willing to try to develop a guy like RJ Hampton, Jalen Green, Markel Fultz. John Wall, you're going to have a hard time convincing him coming off of the bench for $44 million. But (laughs) Yeah. In my opinion, if that's what it takes to go up and get Jalen Green, yeah, if he is who we think he is, on that, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. again, it, you might have a hard time convincing Houston to do that. I'm telling you, if I have to add the the eighth pick to that, if you really believe that Jalen Green is the guy, we all saw Jeff Weltman's face immediately <laughs> after the Magic got the fifth pick. Yeah, that is a dude who said, "You've got to be effing kidding right now." Like was. <laughs> Obviously yeah. totally sold on a guy at the top of this draft. Didn't receive a high enough pick. So he might be sitting there and going, you know what? We made all these great deals. We opened up cap space. We have all these assets. Yeah. This is the guy I'm going to go and get him. And what just looking at this and kind of going through some of these mock trades, if the magic really want anyone outside of Cade, I think it's going right. to be really hard to pry that pick away from Detroit. Yes. If they want Evan Mobley, they want Jalen Green bad enough. 
they have the means to do it. It's just going to come down to whether or not yeah. they want them I think, that badly. I think the what it looked like for Jeff that night after the lottery, Jeff's a hard worker. Everybody that is in a front office position is a hard worker, right? I think after that, the look of disappointment on that man's face was like d- debilitating. It was heartbreaking to see it because that was all of us, um, except he couldn't evoke a real reaction because he was on live television and he knew just flips the table. Right. He just flips it. But I think after that, he he stays in the office that night. He locks himself in the office. He grabs his, uh, you know, a bottle of whiskey out of the fridge freezer, sits it down next to him. And he just gets to that man absolutely gets to where it's dark in the room. All you all that you can see is the the blue light of the computer just hitting his face. He has like those those late night study moments, right? Where you're cramming for a test and you need to figure out you need to learn more now. That was that was Jeff that night. You can't convince me otherwise um, that he was just searching for ways and routes that, that he could do that and using all of the most advanced software to do so. So we'll see. So. Next, we'll go into, um, I have two different trades here for the Magic to try to trade up to three. And this is, you know, in the instance that Cade goes number one and Evan Mobley goes to number two. Again, the Magic would be trying to trade up to get Jalen Green. So in this instance, again, it's Gary Harris and Cole Anthony, um, plus the both 2021 first round picks, five and eight, plus the Chicago 2023 pick. For Kevin Love, again, we would absorb him into that $17 million traded player exception for the third pick overall in the draft. The reason that I included Cole Anthony is because of the recent reports that they're also looking to move on from Colin Sexton. So if they're going to be flipping Colin Sexton and they're going to be buying into getting Kuminga at five, then you have Cole Anthony who you can pair with Darius Garland. Those guys might be able to play off of each other. Give Cleveland another guard give them a strong defender and a guy with a lot of upside in Jonathan Kaminga. They get off of Kevin Love's contract, allows them to pay Jared Allen, and then the Magic get the third pick in, you know, for, for giving up, you know, a, a young stud in Cole Anthony. And I just wanted to say this really quickly. People are going to hear me throwing Cole Anthony into this over and over <laughs> again. Yeah. I love Cole Anthony. I really hope that we're able to get the deal done without including Jonathan Markel Chuma, Cole and RJ Hampton, but I, I really have my doubts. And when you look at the fit of the roster, I see RJ as being the guy who's probably closer to more of a true point guard with Cole being more of like the combo guard. Right. So if you need a point guard coming off the bench, I think long-term RJ is going to be the better option there. Um, just kind of from a fit perspective, Cole might be the better player, the better scorer, but really we're talking about long-term fit and who you might be able to keep long-term. I don't want to give up Cole. I really don't. But I also think Cole is probably the better trade asset right now as well. He showed a little bit more this season than RJ did. So that's why I'm including Cole in all of these deals. But Luke, what do you think of this one? Well, first, I want to ask you, have you seen the uh, videos of Cole, I believe, at either a Mets or Yankees game recently? Killing it. Yankees, don't disrespect me like that. Yeah, sorry. I knew it was one of those New York teams. I have. Absolutely electric. Absolutely electric. So Dante Marcatelli, I think, quote, tweeted a video of it and was like, can you imagine Cole Anthony's reaction after he would hit a walk-off home run in a baseball game, though? Uh, I would pay great money to see Cole Anthony hit a walk-off homer in baseball in another universe and see that celebration. It, absolutely incredible. Um, so in terms of that, 
um, that trade, you know, there's a common theme here. You know, if you want pick number two, if you want pick number three, we're thinking you're going to have to eat a, a big, dirty contract. And that's just what it's going to take. And uh, I, I think I am more willing to get John Wall's contract, honestly. Uh, K-Love's a little questionable. K-Love, K-Love makes me hesitate because he has an attitude problem, I think. Uh, we saw some some you things don't say. from Cleveland this year. And being in Cleveland that long, man, that might make you have that attitude. Like Joe Kim Ask said. Ask Joe Kim Noah. Who's yeah. going to Cleveland for vacation? Not me. So if you're in that long and you're in shambles in, in Cleveland, Kevin Love just like has shown some weird attitude issues being in Cleveland that you really shouldn't, you should be able to control. So that would make me concerned bringing Kevin Love into the locker room with a bunch of young guys on a team that might not be that great. They'll be fun, but they might not be that great. So I, I think you got to do something with Kevin Love. I don't want him on the team. I don't know if that's a three-way deal where the Magic don't end up with Kevin Love and he goes somewhere else. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Cole Anthony, um, guy, a young guy is going to be needed, in my opinion, to get a deal done especially, you know, for you know, a top three pick this year. Well, the good thing about, you know, Kevin Love and John Wall, both just on two-year deals. So you have them for this year, one more year, and then it's over. Magic are not going to be big players in free agency in the near future. Yeah. So in my opinion, I would actually rather have Kevin Love because mm-hmm. the Magic right now don't have a concrete option at the five. Kevin yeah. Love has mostly played the four in his career, but I think next to Jonathan Isaac especially, he could potentially start at the five or maybe even you get him to come off of the bench because he is aging. Maybe you're able to talk him into that role. I really don't know, but John wall, 44, 44, $45 million. There's no way that dude is going to agree to come off of the bench. <laughs> and I just think Kevin love is probably the better fit, especially, you know, you've got Markel, you've got RJ Hampton. Hopefully you keep Cole in that scenario. I just think that Kevin love is probably the better fit for the magic. And, you know, it's just going to try to be less of the guy like John Wall is probably just going to come here and try to dominate the ball. I wouldn't be looking forward to that whatsoever. So I did throw in one more here for the Magic to try to trade up to three. And this includes them keeping Cole Anthony. So it's essentially the same deal, but you swap out Terrence Ross for Cole Anthony. Give the Cavs another veteran, uh, you know, uh, either starting shooting guard if they do move. Um you know, Colin section, you have Darius Garland there, you know, a guy who can come in and give you instant offense, give them, you know, just a little bit more of an asset along with, you know, the future, you know, picks Gary Harris, you're taking the Kevin love deal off of their hands, but really what we're doing here, Luke. And I feel like what most people are hoping for on draft night is that Jeff finds some way somehow to either end up with Jalen green or Evan Mobley. We'll talk more about the, the draft prospects in a, in a few moments and as high of an upside uh, upside as some of these guys might have, they're not Cade, Jalen Green, or Evan Mobley. Like, to me, this is a, a three-player draft, and then it's everybody else. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You're not trading any – like, what what is the most you are giving up for a fourth pick, like, to trade up for one spot? It, it depends who's there because if it's Jalen Suggs, I'm not trading up. Right. Yeah. So you're obviously waiting. You know, the game that you'd be playing is 
you know, waiting to the last minute to make a trade. You're not, this isn't the NFL where like, we're going to be trading months ahead to get that unless it's, you know, picks one or two. Um, I don't even know if they would do that for three unless they know exactly who's there because obviously it just depends. Like at that point you are trading for X player and giving up whatever it might be. And I'm sure that, you know, they're, you know, the front office for the magic could have different options for like, you know, routes, basically like if Evan Mobley's there, here's what we're willing to give up. Jalen green's there. Here's what we're willing to give up. I think it's just different. I think you are waiting to the last minute. I'm not, if it's yeah, like you said, if it sucks, if, if Green, Mobley, and Cade are all off the board by pick four, I'm good. I because I and and unless unless you think that at four they're taking Kuminga, and then the Magic. I still take Suggs at five. I would take Suggs at five rather than give up any reasonable asset to move up the right. spot. Like Suggs, right, you just see what happens at that point. Later, Kuminga, you take him at five. I'm totally good with that. What I don't think the Magic can necessarily afford to do is, let's say K goes number one, Mobley goes number two, Cleveland's sitting there at number three. Are you daring them to take Kaminga at that point, and then you're trying to jump up to four and get Jalen Green? Or do you say, look, we might have to overpay you a little bit for this asset, but we're going to throw in that additional Bulls pick, or we're going to throw in the additional yeah. Denver pick. You're saying if Jalen Green's available at four. If Jalen Green is at, no, if Jalen Green's available at three, oh. even if you feel like the Magic might be overpaying a little bit for that pick, yeah. in my opinion, you live with it if Jalen Green is going to be your guy. Yeah, or I mean, Evan Mobley is there at three. Whoever it is, yeah. you have to overpay. You don't, you know, call it the Cavs bluff. And you look at what happened. You know, adversely looking back at the what was it 2014 draft with Aaron Gordon, Sam Hinkie fleeced Rob Hennigan into giving up another asset so, so that they wouldn't take Alfred Payton. The Sixers weren't taking Alfred freaking Payton. Okay, we got fleeced in that deal. Like Rob Hennigan clearly lost. Everybody knew it in the moment. But this is kind of the the flip side of that. Like you need to go and get your guy. You go and get your guy at three. You over. Yeah pay if you have to so. yeah and and kind of rounding out the the potential trade-up talks uh for the episode it's going it's going to be really intriguing to see like we we have our opinions of these players but by the trade if it happens we are going to find out just how much the magic front office values those top three guys um, that we talked that we've talked about. I mean, you you get you get to see finally because we love to say that we think we know, but you know, however much research that any casual or diehard Magic fan has done into these guys, that front office has put in like thirty five times more time and maybe more into watching you know that footage. So and and the film on those guys and breaking it down. So it'll be really interesting, Jonathan, to see exactly how much they value those guys what i know for sure is that no one knows quite exactly what this front office is thinking no. nobody woke up what was it march 25th thinking that nikola vucevic was going to be the first player traded <laughs> at the trade deadline for the yeah. orlando magic last point i want to make about trading up is if you look at the 2023 bulls pick patrick williams is going to continue to get better zach Levine's going to get better vucevic is probably going to hold on for a few more years that pick isn't going to be that great in 2023, in my opinion. You look at 2025, the Denver pick, nobody knows what's going to happen in another four years. 
Yeah. Probably still going to have Jokic. Probably still going to have Jamal Murray. That pick probably won't be that good. If it's there and you have to give up either one of those picks or yeah. an extra pick, like you just you go up and get your guy. That's that's right. basically what you're saying here. So let's get into some of the draft prospects, Luke. So now that we're at five, we're at eight. Let's say we don't trade up. Um, there's a lot of talk around who the Magic might take in the top five. And, you know, now that we've had the combine, what guy could potentially jump up into the top five, things like that. People have talked about Keon Johnson and Scotty Barnes. We're mm-hmm. going to start with Jonathan Kuminga. So a uh, G League Ignite forward, 18 years old, 6'7", 210 pounds, seven foot wingspan. This year averaged 15.8 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists, one steal, le- a little bit less than a block, 2.6 turnovers, shot 38% from the floor, 24% from the three-point line, 62% from the free throw line. Luke, thoughts on Jonathan Kaminga? So early on in the G League, like right before it started, and you and I obviously were talking and texting throughout those first initial games for the G League, I was higher on Kuminga than Jalen Green. Now, obviously, since that has changed. Uh, I I went into a, a time period where I was very much against like I, I was falling off of being so hot on Kuminga and didn't think that he was you know a, a top three guy in the draft anymore at one point where I thought that he might be uh, so with Kuminga honestly you know watching some stuff on him um, you know recently here uh, and just knowing what I know from watching those G League games he's raw he's 18 he's young he he the kind of build that he is is like a slashing playmaker one of the notes that i made on kuminga all i said was get out of his way this is a guy that gets going downhill especially with that right hand and it's 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 get out of the way or you're on a poster like this is a six foot six 210 pound guy that is very skilled can handle the ball uh, he's a little lazy defensively, in my opinion, and from what some people have said as well, would probably you know agree with that. Um, needs to learn to slow down, right? In high school, he came from high school where he was playing against a bunch of dudes where he said himself, I was the biggest guy on the court in almost every game that I played. Going to playing against seasoned vets and that have played in the NBA or, uh, or, or, you know, are trying to get there and are NBA ready and just haven't gotten the right look or, you know, whatever might be grown men. And he had to learn how to slow down. Kaminga just played way too fast. Um, he played bully ball in high school. So he's kind of got to learn to slow everything down. Um, and, but yet was still able to get to the rim, you know, settles for some shots that are questionable. Um, but I will say, in his bag, he's got a nice hesitation and step back game. I do like that. Um, I think that though his three-point percentage wasn't great by any means, it's encouraging that even though he's that young, he is willing to shoot. Reminds me of another guy in that terms of that pattern and a guy that you might have heard of named Cole Anthony. So uh, I think that, that Kuminga could, uh, could develop a three-point shot. I really do. I think that he's young, he's willing, he's very raw, but he is a few years project. So first of all, I'm not willing to put his confidence level in the same, you know, conversation as Cole Anthony, but I, I can respect that. So yeah, watching, you know, Jonathan Kamingo, the first things that pops out to you is 18 years old. Yeah. Has an NBA ready body. Like you said, when he gets downhill, it's get out of his way. Yeah. He, he reminds me a lot of like Anthony Edwards 
early, you know, in his rookie season before the, the jump shot started to come around a little bit. Like how many posters did Anthony Edwards create on guys this year? Kind of similar NBA ready body, explosive athletic guy. Jonathan Kaminga is a little bit bigger, a few inches taller. Um, but just like you said, has the physical tools to be a great defender, not there consistently yet, but with the right coach. Like if Steve Clifford was here, Jonathan Kaminga would be a home run pick for the Magic, would be an instant contributor. He would, you know, Clifford would get him under his wing, get him playing defense. You put him next to Jonathan Isaac, like by the end of the season, like honestly forget about it. Now, a lot of this is going to play into who we hire as the head coach and kind of what their philosophy are and how they value defense and their defensive schemes and the staff that they have around to develop these guys. But when people tell you that he has the physical tools to be like a defensive player of the year candidate, I see the potential, but I don't see the people that are like so sold on it right. quite yet because, you know, he does need to refine like the defensive technique and everything like that. He's going to need a higher level of attention to detail in the NBA versus, I mean, this kid jumped from high school and then was playing with grown men, just like Jalen Green did. Now, where Jalen Green got exponentially better as the season went on, Kaminga didn't do quite that. He's not obviously as skilled as Jalen Green is right now. The potential is there, though. You can see, again, especially as a driver, needs to tighten up his handle if he's ever going to be a guy to break guys down off of the dribble. Really good passer, especially in transition. He's got a lot of potential there. You're not going to like this, but when we talk about guys who have the potential as a defender, freak athlete, better passer than you would realize, need to work on their three-point game, who am I talking about? You're talking about Aaron Gordon. Like I'm not saying he is Aaron Gordon, but a lot of the physical attributes are there the ability to be a playmaker, and then, oh, we just need to wait on him to become a good jump shooter. Like, that was Aaron Gordon 100%. Like, if Aaron Gordon ever became, like, a 38% three-point shooter consistently, we're probably having a different conversation about Aaron Gordon. He's probably still on the magic today. But Jonathan Kaminga, high ceiling, I will say that. But I still think at five, he's the guy that you go with. Some people are throwing in Scotty Barnes and Keon Johnson. We'll talk about those guys in a moment. But for me at five, Luke, I don't know about you, but it's Jonathan Kaminga and I'm not looking at anybody else. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's young, he's raw. He's, he is a project, um, but the tools are there. This isn't a team. The magic are not a team that are just going to, you know, win right away. Uh, I'll probably disagree about, you know, him being any, like being like Aaron Gordon, um, AG, especially out of college was not shooting the three ball. Uh, and he obviously wasn't shooting it well either. Kuminga, to me, like I have said, it's a big deal to me that he is so young playing with a bunch of seasoned players and is shooting, I think, five threes a game. Like, he it's he can put it together. And, and I, I, I don't think it is the same, like, hopelessness about him, you know, developing a jump shot and, and getting teased by that so many years like Aaron Gordon. I think Kuminga has a, a, a chance to be much better than Aaron Gordon. I would agree with that, and I'm not trying to say he is Aaron Gordon, and I don't think the hopelessness came around until much later in Aaron's <laughs> career. I mean, at Arizona, I believe Aaron Gordon shot like 44% from the free throw line, mm. and Jonathan Kaminga at least is a 62% free throw shooter so far, and the form isn't terrible like Aaron's was. Like, Jonathan Kaminga has a decent shooting form. It's just going to take, you know, a lot of reps and him to get more confident and be able to knock down those shots. So uh, next up, Scotty Barnes, Florida State guard slash forward 19 years old 69 227 pounds six or excuse me seven two wingspan 
this year averaged 10.3 points per game, four rebounds, 4.1 assists, 1.5 steals, a half block, 2.5 turnovers, shot 50.3% from the floor, 27% from the three-point line, and 62% from the free throw line. Luke, what do you think of Scotty Barnes? So I will say I was I was a lot more sour on Scotty Barnes, and this is a spoiler alert here. I was more sour on him before I had really done a deep dive on Scotty Barnes. Now I'm still not high on him. I'm still not taking him with the fifth with the fifth pick. I'm not taking him over another guy that we'll talk about as well. So Scotty Barnes, though, I mean, he's got an NBA build. He's 6'9, 225 pounds, like a 7'2 wingspan or something ridiculous. Uh, he's not gonna score at will. He's not gonna wow you on the offensive end. He'll take the open shot. But he's not gonna, you know, work for that bucket. I don't think he is a playmaker. Um, I, I mean, his time at, at FSU, interestingly enough, he most of the time came off the bench at FSU, uh, scoring almost eleven points per game, four rebounds, and four assists. So that's a pretty good, like in college, I think that's a good stat line for coming off the bench. In high school, actually, uh, he played the power forward position, but FSU would have him sometimes take the ball up the court and play the guard spot. I, I don't know if I'm ever taking a guy with that much of a wingspan and putting him at a guard spot, but I mean, FSU is a good program. They've gotten a lot better with uh, coach ham there. And uh, yeah, but I would say Scotty Barnes is a, is a, a better defender than Kuminga and can guard the two through four. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's really all that I have to say about Scotty Barnes. I, like I said, I'm still not super high on him, but I am, you know, less cold on him now that I have really done my deep dive into him. So I'm really not that high on Scotty Barnes either. I'm not taking him at five. I'm not advocating for the Magic to trade down. But if they were to trade down, if the deal presented itself and Scotty Barnes is there at six or seven, I wouldn't totally be mad at that. But the first thing that jumped off of the screen to me watching the film on Scotty Barnes was just his energy constantly. is just like a, a gnat just all over you yeah, the entire way up the floor. Very solid defender on the ball, off the ball. Great communicator, you know, when running, you know, navigating through pick and roll, having his teammates switch or, or grab a guy that's open in the corner. Great communicator defensively. Decent athlete, not incredibly explosive like Jonathan Kaminga. You know, he's a pretty capable pass uh, passer. Yeah. Issues with Scotty Barnes, in my opinion, you kind of touched on this. The shooting, obviously not a great three-point shooter. Shot 27% from three at FSU. The form definitely needs some refinement. It's it's not very smooth. He definitely needs to work on that. And then once the form comes, obviously just more repetitions and everything like that. Like you said, he's not great on the ball. Offensively, most of his baskets in college came in either transition or when he was able to get downhill in the half right. court. Once he gets ahead of steam, it's a pretty good finisher at the rim. But I just I really have questions on his speed and whether or not he's going to be able to beat guys off of the dribble at the NBA level, especially when you talk about defenders like Kawhi, Giannis, Draymond yeah. Green, like he's never getting past those kinds of guys. No, did did you um <laughs> did you look at uh Kevin O'Connor's big board and see the player comps that he did for Scotty Barnes? I did not. Oh brother, let me let me help you out here. But yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be hard for him to create his own offense at the next level. So I'm trying to say yes, of course. And so and this first player who is a player comp says that he has shades of Draymond Green, uh Pascal Siakam, and a taller and bulkier Michael Carter Williams. 
pass. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Kevin O'Connor. That's all I need to know. We're done here. <laughs> Moses Moody, Luke. Let's just talk about Moses Moody after that. <laughs> Scotty Barnes, though, like seriously, I do think he has like the potential to be a lockdown defender in the NBA. Like if the Magic, if this was a different draft and you know we had a go-to score already, maybe Scotty Barnes is the type of guy. I will say this. Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter Jr. lineups, like the clamps, like 100%. Nobody would be scoring. We're beating dudes 60 to 50. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But we need scoring. That's really the whole thing. We need shooting. And that's what we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about Moses Moody out of Arkansas or Arkansas. uh, (laughs) Guard forward, 19 years old, 6'6", 205, seven-foot wingspan. Luke, we saw the picture of him touching the floor, grabbing the door jam. Absolutely ridiculous. At Arkansas this season, 16.8 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 1.6 assists, one steal, 0.7 blocks, 1.6 turnovers, 42% from the floor, 35% from the three-point line, 81% free throw shooter. This is a guy that we've talked about for quite a few weeks, Luke. I know that you've already talked about Moses Moody, but Talk to me more about Moses Moody. Yeah, so the first thing you know that everybody knows about Moses Moody, even if you've just done a quick search. All the Magic fans know about Moses Moody. Absolutely. So it will not shock any of you guys to hear he is a great three-point shooter with a very high ceiling in terms of what his percentage could be at the NBA level. Uh, he's got that seven-foot wingspan, so and he's already good defensively. But even more so, he has a lot of uh, of forgiveness on any mistake he makes, letting a guy get past him because he's just going to reach around and poke the ball out. He's going to swat you from behind. Like he he's got a seven foot wingspan, and he can. And so there is a lot of uh, grace that comes with making mistakes defensively with that. Uh, another thing to note: opponents, when guarded by him, shot thirty two percent this year against him. Uh, and he moves well off ball as well. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of times where they would run some pin down uh, pick action for him. He would come up and hit a three. There's times where he would backdoor there. I mean, he, he's got a good sense of what he needs to do moving well off the ball. Arkansas didn't ask a lot of him off the dribble very much. So he just learned how to move well off the ball. Uh, but he does, he, he made, I think it was, I think I read that he made like 39% shots off the dribble, which is actually good. To give you reference, uh, Book Knight shot 33% off the dribble. Uh, Davion Mitchell is a great shooter off the dribble, and he shot like 43%. So Moody is somewhere in the middle. He he does have, even though he didn't have to do it much at Arkansas, I could see a world where he develops a good uh, shot off the dribble as well. I, I've got, I think that he is the safest pick in terms of like that eight pick range. He is safe. He's going to be productive for a long time. He might not ever turn into a star, but you don't really need it with him. He's just going to do what's asked of him. He's going to knock down the open shot. He's going to you know, move off the ball. It's just a guy that you'd want on your team. So when we talk about the movement off of the ball, you know, the shooting ability, obviously, he's not any type of crazy athlete or anything like that. So I'm, I'm eager to see what your reaction is going to be to the way that I feel about this. If we do decide to move on from a guy like Terrence Ross, I could see Moses Moody filling that role pretty quickly. Like rookie year, probably not going to be quite as good as Terrence Ross, but you're going to be able to run like the same type of plays that you ran for Terrence Ross. He's going to be a good three point shooter. To me, he's Terrence Ross. You know, Terrence showed us this year that he has a little bit of the ability to make plays off of the dribble and create plays for others. He's Terrence Ross with a little bit less offense 
but more defense. Like Terrence has yeah. all the ability to be a great defender, but just hasn't used it. Moses Moody, in my opinion, from day one, will probably be a better defender than Terrence Ross. Right. And could be a guy that could develop into that next level that Terrence has, you know, coming off of the screens, knocking down shots, you know, pull up in the mid range, get yeah. to the rim a little bit this year, making plays for others. So especially if the magic decide to move on from Terrence Ross in the off season, Moses Moody is the guy that I would just say, okay, this is you. You're now in the Terrence Ross role, like human torch 2.0, probably not, but well, um, I, mean, I maybe, really, really like Moses Moody. Maybe you said probably not, but obviously like you're saying that cause you know, T Ross is already established and there's a lot of question marks with Moody, but I'm not batting an eye at him being you no know, 2.0, like at all. I mean, Moody, the only thing you're not getting that Terrence Ross gave you is is maybe the 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 microwave effect where right. you know T Ross just gets going and he's hot. Um, but he could get there. I mean, shooting, you know, 36% from three in college, he could get there. He's just not gonna give you any baseline reverse dunks, unfortunately. So you you just might not you might get less top shot moments out of Moses Moody, but he's uh he's still he's still going to make an impact day one, in my opinion. And I think he's a guy, obviously, he needs to, you know, fill out a bit right now. Finishing around the rim is a big problem for him. But a lot of that is going to, you know, as he fills out and becomes stronger, yeah. he'll get better at that, I'm sure. But at 6'6", you know, that's a guy that we could see play at the three as well. So people hearing this saying, why are we going to draft all these guards? In my opinion, Moody is a guy that could play either the two or the three, kind of interchangeable there, be able to guard multiple positions as well. So the Magic end up with Jalen Green and Moses Moody from this draft, like your boy will be sleeping pretty well that night. So <laughs> next up, Luke, Keon Johnson. So this was a big question mark for me as we were starting to go into this research. I didn't know a lot about Keon Johnson, but out of Tennessee, guard forward, 19 years old, 6'5", 186 pounds, six foot eight inch wingspan, average 11.3 points per game this season, 3.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.1 steals, uh, 0.4 blocks per game 2.6 turnovers shot 44 almost 45 percent from the floor 27 percent from the three-point line 70 percent from the free throw line luke this kid is a freak athlete like yeah just some of the posters that this kid creates is just absolutely ridiculous now a lot of question marks and we can get to that but i just had to say that like out of like you talk about jonathan kaminga like nba ready body if you put kaminga like if you put Keon Johnson's athleticism, Jonathan Kaminga, like I can't even, I can't imagine. Like we're talking about a guy who would arguably be like the first pick in the draft. Like he's got that amount of bounce. It's ridiculous. But what do you think of Keon Johnson? So the first thing I'll say, I knew being, you know, a Florida Gator fan uh, and being familiar with players in the SEC, I knew who Keon Johnson was. I knew he was athletic. I knew he could defend. Now, I kind of the way that I listed out my my notes about the players and these prospects is, you know, I, I put their name, I put their height, I put their weight and wingspan if it was notable. And then below that in bold letters, I kind of put my description of kind of picking and choosing from what I had seen and the way people had explained them. I put from what I knew personally, good defender. That is the first thing that I put down, good defender. But halfway through the looking down and breaking down film of Keon Johnson, I went right up to that. I backspace, backspace, backspace and put incredible in all caps defender. 
this guy is is a, just a monster on the defensive end. He he can't he might while he can't be Scotty Barnes and defend the two through four, he can still defend you know the guard spots definitely. Uh, and his lateral quickness is off the charts. That call that kind of factors in with him being an incredible athlete as well. Probably helped him you know gain that lateral quickness. But there are just so many clips of him beating the ball handler to the spot beating the ball handler spot, squaring up with his chest and forcing that defend that the, the, the guy with the ball to just jack up a, a crazy mid range shot. I saw him do it against the Gators and I was reminded of it watching film today. Uh, I think it was Noah Locke, I believe who runs point guard for the Gators. Good player. Great three point shooter, uh, you know, short bulky guy, but, but Keon Johnson was guarding him, cut him off at the spot and it forced him to put up a, a crazy mid range shot and miss badly. So that was the biggest thing. Um, obviously athletic. So like most athletic people, he can finish well. And I think that he has a really good scoring upside. He is very raw, obviously, and he is another one of those guys that you could expect him to take a couple years to really develop offensively, and there's a lot of question marks there. But the dude can defend his butt off is what I saw. Fourth of July started early in my neighborhood, so if you guys can hear that on the podcast, there are people shooting Wow, they're a week early, huh? Literally outside my window right now. But, yeah, the thing with Keon Johnson, again, just totally freak athlete, really good defender, high motor, solid cutter. The potential offensively you can see it in flashes at times i'm you know more so than scotty barnes but i'm still not totally convinced that it's going to happen for him to be like a a primary guy off the ball anything like that it's probably going to be a guy that is going to be a solid third fourth option kind of his ceiling there um the shooting definitely needs he really needs a lot of work on his shooting as a pretty uh narrow base needs to widen that up a bit refine the you know the shooting motion a little bit um, overall decision-making a guy that relies on his athleticism. A lot of times feel like he can get past guys, but it just forces him into bad situations, takes bad shots, turnovers some of the time, but because of the athleticism, mm-hmm. I, I understand why some people are trying to talk themselves into him getting into the top five. I don't see it happening. I just, to me, it's a very clear top five and I just don't think anybody can really get into that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Jonathan not to cut you off, but, this is my guy that I you know, alluded to earlier who I am taking over Scotty Barnes. And I, I don't think it's really that close for me. And it might be kind of a thing that, you know, people kind of scoff at, but I, this is where I'm at. Do your film studies on these guys and do Keon Johnson right after you look at Scotty Barnes, man, Keon Johnson, he's just the guy that I would take over Scotty Barnes every day of the week. Well, Keon Johnson is a better free throw shooter. So a lot of times people feel like that's indicative of whether or not a guy is going to be able to mature and develop as a shooter. I still like Scotty Barnes mechanics a little bit better than Moses Moody. Neither of them are, excuse me, not Moses Moody more than Scotty Barnes. Neither of those guys are Moses Moody is what I was trying to say in terms of the shooting motion. But like I said, Keon Johnson is a guy that I could understand teams kind of selling themselves on because of the potential that he has as a great defender because of the athleticism. So we'll see what's going to happen there. And the last guy that we're going to cover here, uh, Luke is James book Knight out of Yukon, a guard, 20 years old, six, 190 pounds, six, eight wingspan average 18.7 points per game this season, 5.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.1 steals, 2.8 turnovers a game, 44% from the floor. 29% from the three-point line. I think he's a little bit better of a shooter than that. 77% from the free throw line. 
another guy who is a really great athlete, not quite to the level of a Keon Johnson, but for a guy that's 6'5", 190 pounds, kind of a slender frame, has some bunnies, Luke. What do you think of Book Knight? Uh, Book Knight, uh, his lack of shooting um, kind of scares me a little bit, but he is athletic. He's incredibly smooth. And I think his uh, there was a, a video I got sent uh, recently of Book Knight and his shooting mechanics, and it actually didn't look bad. It looked really smooth. Uh, it looked good. So who knows? Maybe he can put that together and become a good shooter. Just another one of those guys that, you know, question marks on the shooting end. He's a good shot creator, uh, athletic, and he finishes well. So I, I think, you know, for me, uh, I think he's probably who I'm lowest on out of these guys. But I do think that there is some potential with him that he could be one of those guys that you look back on and think, like, how did he not go higher? You know, he was the guy at UConn. And when he played, uh, UConn had a very good record. So I think I actually think that Keon Johnson is the guy that that I'm lowest on. Um, James Booknight is a guy that I have just above him with Booknight. Like you said, like the shooting mechanics are there. I feel like he was just you look at his stats, 18.7 points per game. 1.8 assists, which tells me he was just trying to score every single time he touched the ball. Wasn't really concerned with trying to create for others. Again, forced him into some bad decisions, some bad shots. He does need to improve the consistency as a shooter, but because of the 77.8% free throw percentage, I do think he will improve and become at least you know a league average three-point shooter. Like you mentioned, he's got the dribble moves, the shot creation, the ability to create space, three-level score. He's got the mid-range. He can finish at the rim. If you're looking at, I mean, I feel like we already have this guy in Cole Anthony, but yeah. if you're looking just for like that microwave guy that can come in off of the bench, maybe in like a Lou Williams or like a Jordan Clarkson role, I definitely feel like James Booknight is a guy that could reach that level. Eventually he does need to tighten up his handle, needs to improve as a playmaker, get other players more involved, um, you know, improve his consistency as a defender. But like we mentioned, he's an athletic guy. He's got the lateral quickness. Could be a solid defender, just has to really want it on that end. Hasn't totally proven that yet. Again, it just seems like he's out there trying to get buckets, which, you know, I can I can respect that totally. <laughs> but if he's going to be like a legit two-way player in the league, definitely needs to get better on that end. But, yeah, for me at five, it's, it's Jonathan Kaminga. It's no one else. At eight, I'm still going Moses Moody. If Scotty Barnes is there, I think you take a really hard look at him. Might be hard to turn away Scotty Barnes at eight. I don't know that he'll fall that far. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, either a James Book Knight, you know, or a Keon Johnson, maybe if Scotty Barnes and Moses Moody go like six and seven, which would kind of be a disaster for the Magic, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are the guys uh, that, that we're going to cover this week. Luke, do you have anything else on any, any of the guys that we covered this week? Uh, no, the last thing I'll say about Book Knight, there's some drafts where you'll see him in the mock going eight. And then you'll have, you know, look at like the ringers draft where I think, I think Kevin O'Connor's a little wild for this, uh, but he's got book night going 21. Oh so, my God. so yeah, so he's, but I he is, he's got Moody going like 13th or 15th to the yeah, Wizards. Yeah. So. Yeah. So the thing with, yeah, with, with book night is that I think he does have the biggest range of, of guys. Um, and then also kind of the final note, especially about, you know, mainly about Scotty Barnes here is while Scotty, could have the tools and, and seem like the most talented of this group we just discussed. I really can't deny that. He does seem like he has the tools. Um, I think that he is going to have the biggest problem fitting in 
on a team. I think they're, I think he's very, it's a very awkward thing. He's a specialist. Yeah. He's very like, he fits the mold of a very particular role. And I think that that could really hurt him in terms of going higher, you know, rather than dropping some spots. So those are kind of just my final two notes there. I don't know that he's like a Matisse Thibel, like that level of a defender, but I think that's the kind of role that you're talking about where you're literally just asking him to come off the bench and guard the other players, the other team's best player at the time. Yeah. And please give me eight points. And that's really all you're doing with him. Exactly. Exactly. One last thing that I actually forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about potentially trading up to two with the Rockets. Part of the reason that I included Cole in that deal is because the Rockets have three first round picks. How many rookies are they going to want? They might not want five and eight from the Magic. They might want Cole Anthony, who, yes, is a young guy, but again, has already kind of been established that he's just a stud and he's going to be really, really good. So that's it for week one of our two two parts of our draft prospect breakdown. Next week, we're going to cover Davion Mitchell, Jalen Johnson, Franz Wagner, Alperin Sagoon, Kai Jones, Corey Kisper, possibly more. We'll see what happens with the mock drafts, but be on the lookout for that. Again, just want to remind you guys about the watch party. It's still a few weeks out, but July 29th, the night of the draft, we're going to meet at Harry Buffalo, 5 o'clock. We'll be there till 645, and then we'll walk over to Amway Center for the draft party where we are going to try to sit together. We're trying to get the magic to kind of reserve some seating for us so that we can kind of have our own section. Everybody can go crazy. But Luke, before we wrap up, anything else? Uh, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Six Man Show. Give us a little subscribe button here if you haven't done it already and uh, help us out there. So that's kind of the last thing I have to say, Jonathan. Much appreciated. So we'll be on the lookout this week for some magic news. Hopefully nothing crazy goes. I don't think we're going to have any emergency podcasts this week like we have the last few weeks. That's what you think. Looking for a, yeah, well, we'll you'll <laughs> never know. Maybe we hire a head coach the next couple of days. If that oh, happens, brother. I'm sure we'll figure something out. But if not, we'll, we'll definitely catch you guys next time. But anyways, for Luke, this has been Jonathan. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!